0: And Welcome in. It's the Magic Weekly Podcast. Jake Chapman here with you. Record date Wednesday, February 3rd. The Magic fall last night to the Toronto Raptors. Two days off now. The first two scheduled days off uh, in a month consecutively. We'll see the Chicago Bulls on Friday and Saturday at the Amway Center. And then it's off to the West Coast for a four-game road trip. Magic uh, take the L last night to the Toronto Raptors in a game that was really all about Fred Van Vliet. 54 points an Amway center scoring record, a Toronto Raptors franchise scoring record, and the most in the modern era scored by an undrafted player. He topped Moses Malone. I thought that was an interesting note uh, from the game last night. Final score, 123-108. And Magic 8-14 now on the season, uh, and the hits just keep on coming. We found out on Monday, Aaron Gordon uh, with a rolled ankle that he suffered on Sunday against the Toronto Raptors. Likely to miss four to six weeks. So uh, the Magic in a a really tough spot right now. uh, Announced today, Frank Mason in, Jordan Bone out. uh, And Frank Mason's going to slide into a really good opportunity. He's likely going to play pretty big minutes and likely play those minutes right away. My guest for the program today, Keith Smith. He's one of the best doing it. uh, At Keith Smith NBA on Twitter. He covers the Celtics, covers the league at large, lives here in Orlando. uh, Works for Yahoo Sports, Real GM Celtics blog, the front office show, uh, a million different outlets. Keith, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. How you doing, man?
1: I, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to have you on uh, for myriad reasons, but let's just start with what we saw last night, Fred Van Vliet. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to catch most of the game, but he said after the game, that was easy.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure I did see that.
0: That's the <laughs> quote that, that Magic players want to hear. We know Fred Van Vliet is... I, I think he's one of the most underrated guards in the league. I think that's one of the best backcourts in the league. Um, they play so well together. But um, if you're a Magic player and you allow that to happen and then you hear that after the fact, I would think that would be a, a little bit of a blow to your pride. But um, I, I guess just break down what you saw last night and, and just give me, if you could, you know, beyond that, and I didn't want to have you on to get your thoughts on Fred Van Vliet, but beyond that, like, where is this Magic team right now uh, according to Keith Smith, at thirty thousand feet.
1: Yeah, well, one thing I will say on on Fred VanVleet is I'm pretty sure Steve Clifford has that uh, quote blown up, and <laughs> now that's going to be posted everywhere yep. uh, for his guys to see because that you, you do not want anybody to say it was easy <laughs> against you. That that is not good, and and you know that is kind of the bigger I think issue in the in the Magic world right now is. <laughs> It is a little too easy. They started off six and two, and then I think it was six and two, and yep. then since then, two and 12. And that's, that's rough. And it's, you know, they they're, haven't been real good at home, haven't been real good on the road. That's a little weird this year in this kind of odd season we're having without fans in most arenas and the like. But I think their problem is their offense has to work really, really hard to create anything. That that's been, you know, evidence since Mark Fultz went down. And then the defense is just missing too many guys now that that kind of vaunted continuity that we talked about coming in to this season, it doesn't really matter because you, you've kind of now, in my mind, hit the point of no return with injuries where it's just you're going to struggle to put, you know, quality efforts together night to night because Steve Clifford's having to mix and match the lineup so much.
0: Yeah. And Toronto is a perfect example because they have always done a good job. And a lot of it was Marcus Saul. Um, but even with the Saul gone, they do such a great job junking up defenses and throwing doubles at Vooch and Terrence Ross, where you look at this team right now. And if you're not getting big offensive outputs from Nicole Vucevic and Terrence Ross, uh, you're probably going to struggle to score points in that game. And, you know, I guess that goes back to the injuries. Like it's, it's really hard to evaluate, um, your team and where you are in your plans moving forward when, you know, the two guys that you extended before the season aren't playing right now. And yeah. you look at the J I <laughs> part, obviously you knew that was going to happen, but Martel Fultz was, is obviously a huge part of the future with this franchise. And he was playing great basketball before right. he went down, which is, you know, he sparked that six and two starts of the season. So I guess my question for you, and I know this isn't, it's not like in a vacuum. It's it's not the same answer for every team. But when you have a group like the magic do, and the plan obviously in the off season was that continuity that you mentioned, and then the injuries hit and just keep on coming. How do you, how do you appraise that? Like, what do you just sit on your hands and say, um, and say, we got to run it back next year. We don't know what we have right now, or do you need to be a little more proactive in your opinion um, and say, even though we don't have our guys on the floor right now, we got to figure out ways to get better.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And and I'm glad you approached it from the mindset of it's it's not a one size fits all. It matters situation and sure. team wise. And I think what, what you have to look at is if you're a team that you just put this team together, meaning you, you turned over half the roster and you, you never really got a chance to see it. You, you Then I think you preach patience and you say, hey, we got to wait till we see what this team is when it's together. Uh, one of the teams I think about with that was the Boston Celtics. A few years ago when Gordon Hayward got hurt on opening night, then Kyrie Irving got hurt about halfway through the season. It turned into, well, we still don't really even know what we are. Right. That, that team made the East Finals, but you know, well, what do we have to be? So that's why you had to give it at least another year or two to really see that team come together. For the Magic, I think it's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. For this core group of – I really kind of consider the core to be Gordon, Fournier, and Vucevic. Mm -hmm. They've been together for six or seven years now. We kind of know what they're going to do together. It's – awesome that they built into being a playoff team I think we all love and recognize that because you like when it's I, I know Fournier and Vooch weren't drafted by the Magic but they they might as well have been sure. uh, for how early they were acquired so you love to see kind of these homegrown guys come together and become a playoff team and then that was supplemented with Jonathan Isaac coming in and then Markel Fultz looking pretty good and all of a sudden you had a team where it was all right hey this this is a team you can get behind now though we're now in year three of being a, you know, let's call it good team. And I think we've seen, it's probably hit its ceiling. You know, maybe they could have got to the sixth seed or so and been in that mix if everyone was healthy this year and all that. But I think what you have to start to evaluate is, all right, well, obviously Fultz and Isaac are part of the future. We're not going to see them till next year. Now we know that Cole Anthony, part of the future, Chumo Kiki, part of the future, but Are Gordon, Vucevic, Fournier, Terrence Ross, are those guys part of the future? Or are you looking at it now and saying, all right, do we move on, get other guys who line up their timelines a little bit better, uh, draft equity and the like, and you start to look into rebuilding uh, this team around the younger players and see can you cash in while guys like Vuce, Fournier, Ross, and Gordon's value is probably about at the highest point it's going to be at.
0: Uh, Last philosophical question, because I do want to get into some nitty gritty stuff with you, but I do think first off, like, you know, and you experienced it because you live here the six years prior to Steve Clifford arriving where you didn't make the playoffs, that sort of informed the way I think Jeff Holtman and John (laughs) Hammond, Steve Clifford, right? Um, Like let's, let's get good first, or let's at least get respectable first and then we'll go from there. So I think you can explain that, right? Like the, the idea was, we got to get this thing out of the doldrums and we got to get, um, at least to this level. And then we'll go from there. Um, but with that said, like, I guess my question is because you use the word timelines and I'm always right there with you. It's, it's, are you coming? Or are you going like, like you have to have a plan and you have to have, and you have to be making moves working towards that plan. But I also understand that having some veterans and, and it doesn't, we don't need to go into the specifics, but having some veterans there with your young talent is, is probably the ideal situation. Yep. So are you, and again, this is not a one size fits all type question, but are you a proponent of like, you know, it's not tanking, it's not tearing it down to the studs. It's not rebuilding, but it's, it's building around young talent and making sure you still have some good veteran players there. Or is it more a thing where you just need some veterans there period who can show you the day to day and show you, you know, you know, how to get on the bus on on time and stuff like that. Like, (laughs) like do you think is the ideal situation? And even specifically for this group, um, having, having your best players be the young guys and then just sort of sprinkling in vets, or do you like to have like a nice full mix, um, which is basically what the magic have done the last two years?
1: Yeah, I I like to, in in an ideal world, you build around youth. And then as that youth is ready to start winning, that's when you start supplementing them with veterans around them. I, I want the young guys to get the minutes. I want them to get the reps. They think the fortunate thing for the Magic is their best young players have gotten some high-level reps. They've played in important games over the last couple of years. I know Isaac's been in and out of the lineup and Fultz, you know, really kind only of has had, you know, still the one full season, um, but they they were on the floor at important moments. They were playing big, and I think that's that's important because, yeah, when you solely build around youth and it's only youth and it's not competitive, then how do they ever learn to win that exactly. that's where it becomes a huge problem and i think that's what we saw like you said you know 5 6 years ago it was the magic or this super young team and then they never really knew now they kind of grew into it on their own but then that's when terrence ross came in as a supplemental guy and then that's when they they added you know occasionally the the other pieces around those guys augustine's on, to a good help example yeah, augustine DJ helped augustine, out a ton yep. Yeah, big time. And I even think, you know, it it sounds weird to put it this way, but guys like Aaron Aflalo and Maurice Spates, um, when they were here a couple years ago, those were, you know, signings of, that said two things. One was, all right, they're going to help our young guys really learn what it means to be a pro. And also, veterans are okay to come to Orlando again because Hmm. it had kind of become almost a little bit of a forgotten market where it was like, well, you know, what are they, you know, who knows? And no, neither one of those guys turned out to be a big time acquisition and didn't lead the magic to the promised land, but they helped, they helped them get along that way. So I think now what you're looking at is the ideal world here, I think would have been the Vucevic, Fournier, Ross veteran group, kind of like ships passing in the night as they aged out, and they were kind of um, going on the downswing, you had guys like Mobamba uh, Aaron Gordon to some extent, Isaac, Fultz, now Cole Anthony, those guys, Chumokiki, those guys are coming into their own, and they're almost kind of taking their place, and that's how you extend a window from being a two or three years of being a good playoff team to you know six, seven years of sustained success. I think the challenge is, Young guys got hurt. The older guys are are still doing their thing. I mean, anybody who says Nikola Vucevic isn't playing great just isn't watching. Yeah, I mean he's you know having another fantastic season. But again, to go back to what I said kind of earlier is you you eventually though you hit a point in no return where. To, there's just that one injury too many that kind of break straw breaks the, the camel's back. I think for me this week, that was Aaron Gordon,
0: mm-hmm. you know, him
1: going down and going to be out for you know a month, month and a half. That's now, it's, it's already so hard for this team. Now you remove their most versatile player and now it's going to be even harder to figure it out. And that's where I think you, you eventually have to look at it and say, all right, what is our ceiling? What is our cap? with this group that we have. And and to kind of ask your, your question from before is, do you say, we just haven't seen it. We need to see it together. Or do you look at it and say, all right, it's not happening here. It's time to time to start to make some changes and rebuild around that youth. And fortunately, the Magic already have youth in place. And now this could be a chance to supplement that youth as you go forward.
0: If you could have heard my post-game show on Sunday, I sounded like a camel with a broken back after the Aaron Gordon <laughs> injury. It was, it was just like, oh, sure, why not? That's 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 what we're doing this year.
1: Um, yep, that's exactly, I was the shrug <laughs> emoji. Yes, <laughs> the real right. life shrug, I was like, all right, I mean, I guess that's just where we're at.
0: Oh, it's been a tricky year, and and look, it's, you know, you, you and I can talk about it, but like, you know, this is Jeff Waltman and John Hammonds, and this is their life, and so yep. some big, big decisions, I would think, over the next couple of weeks, and that's what I want to get into you, with, uh, get in with you, whatever, get into with you now, um, is is this sort of timeline. Like, I don't know if it's the pandemic. I remember around draft time, I think I was talking to Pete D'Alessandro or it might've been Matt Lloyd. And they were were talking about how there was no combine. And so there's just having scouts and front office people physically in the same place stokes the trade market and gets those conversations started. And I realized that we're, you know, it's a different timeline. It's not your normal February. Um, But the trade market feels, it feels quiet. It feels, I mean, obviously you had the Harden deal, but like, It just feels like there isn't as much movement. I'm sure it'll heat up over the next month. Um, But when you start to look out and you start to think about some options that the Magic might have, specific players or specific situations, what are some spots and, and maybe some potential partners that you see?
1: Yeah, it is a weird year because it feels like we should be ramping up full into the trade deadline. Right, right now, that's just what our body clock tells us. But then we we have to, you know, kind of step back and say, well, we're only just over a month into the season. So right. Yeah, you know, that that's not where we're at. And and that is uh, that fact has been reminded to me many times by front office folks over the last little bit of like, you know, hey, what, what are you thinking on this? And like, I'm thinking anything. Would you ask this at Christmas? No. And he's like, well, that's where we are. It's like, all right, fair enough. Um, But you know, so we're a month and a half out roughly from the trade deadline now. So I think if you're the magic, what you're looking at is what one thing that I, I think has to be kind of top of mind for them. They're only about 2.8 million under the luxury tax. And I don't think that this is the kind of year you want to dip into being a tax team. So unless you really feel like, Hey, there is a move we could, could go make. And that's going to put us over the top to being a playoff team, being really competitive. I don't think you're going to see them do anything like that. I think it's more likely we're going to see them start going the other way. And the the kind of good news is If the Magic decided, you know, all right, we've got to get rid of some of the veterans, or not, that's maybe too harsh to put it that way, but we're going to move on from some of the veterans. That's probably a better way to put it, Um, and start kind of kicking off a a rebuild here. There's probably going to be far more buyers than sellers because of the advent of the play-in game. Mm. Because this year, you only have to get to 10 to be in the play-in. Teams that are in 11 and 12, as long as they're within striking distance, are going to convince themselves, hey, let's get to the plane. it'll be good experience. Maybe we can even win and get into the playoffs and that. So you may only have four or five teams that are true sellers on the market. And if that's the case versus most seasons around the trade deadline, you've got about seven, eight, maybe even 10 teams that are looking to go a different direction. That would be absolutely huge because then what happens is if you let's say you're the magic and you say, all right, Evan Fournier's got an expiring contract, we're gonna, you know, see what we can get for him. Well, teams are always looking for a guy who can score. They're always looking for a guy who can shoot. And I think Fournier fits because on a really good team, like if he went to one of the true contenders, you could probably say, Hey, you're gonna play off the bench for the rest of the season for us and go or he can easily fill in the starting five. So Orlando in a normal year, it might be, Oh, maybe we could get a late first round pick or something like that. Now, if we're, they're one of the only sellers on the market, they may be able to turn that and say, Hey, we can get a late first round pick and maybe a young player as a flyer and just that little something action. I think that might be part of the the motivation here of if you really look at it and say, all right, it's too far gone. We cannot turn this thing around with the group we have. That's where you start targeting those teams, and you really look at them. I mean, Vooch, you'd have – I wanted to say 29. I don't know if it would be 29 because there's a handful of teams that are set at the center position and a handful that, you know, they're just quite frankly not very good. Um, But you'd have, you know, 15 teams at least – maybe 20, that would be like, all right, yeah, we'll look at Nikola Vucevic. He's playing great. Uh, His game should age quite well. So I think that is um, something to keep in mind as well. There is those fits. Terrence Ross, teams are always looking for shooting off the bench, always. He's been one of the best six men for many years. This year he's really playing great. You know, that's the thing. And then Aaron Gordon, there's just this continued belief around the league of, you know, hey, if we could just get him and get him in the right spot where he's around more wing players, he can play more as a pure forward, those things that'll really unlock him. I don't know if there's where that really is um, in my own my own mind and estimation, but I think that those are the kind of things you're looking at with the magic is, you know, can we really cash in? And then instead of doing a hard rebuild, we – clearly take a step back this year, but then we're building up uh, equity going into the future years, which I think could be really big.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, isn't that sort of the key to all this is, you know, if you use the word rebuild, whatever, the, the bottom line is you've got two guys who, you know, you're going to build around moving forward, who will be back next year. Yeah. Um, so you already have at least a little bit of that young core in place. Um, and then look, and, and, and <laughs> let's go back to doing post-game shows and doing radio. I'm a silver linings guy by nature, and so at the very least, Cole Anthony and Chumo Kiki are being thrown in the deep end this year, yep. and they're going to be better for it. You're yep. going to sort of lessen that learning curve, I think, um, when all is said and done. So, you know, if you, if you have to look at the positive side. And it's, that's a great point that you bring up, Keith. I mean, look, just look at the standings right now. In the Eastern Conference, you know Miami is below the Magic right now. for crying yeah. Out loud, I don't think anybody expects them to miss the playoffs. Um, but we'll see. It's a weird year. You've got Detroit and Washington down there, and they're you know what three games out of the ten seed or something like that, and that's about as far back as anybody gets. In the Western yep. Conference, it's Minnesota, and that's it. Everybody else is is clearly within striking distance of that top ten. Um, so that, that that will be that'll be very interesting to keep an eye on. I think you bring up a great point about a lot more teams being buyers. Who are there a couple situations you look around and you say this would be these teams are going to need some help and and the magic might have personnel that fit?
1: Yeah, the top one that comes to mind is Boston, uh because they are they're pretty good and they it feels like as it has the last couple of years, they may be one or two guys away from pushing over the top. They also have the the Gordon Hayward trade exception of twenty-eight point five million. So that makes it easier for them to work a bigger trade. Can I, let me just jump
0: in there with the exceptions, because I don't know if a lot of the listeners fully understand exactly what that means. So just just walk through, you don't have to go soup to nuts with it, but just, just, (laughs) just give me the dummy version of it.
1: Yeah, you, you, you know me. If we get into cap stuff, your show will be five hours long, and <laughs> which is
0: fine. Like, I would love it, but but <laughs> yeah. it's people are on their commute. I
1: think. <laughs> They'll only use it to put themselves to sleep at night. Um, <laughs> it is So, what happens is when you, it, the real simple thing is when you send out more salary in a trade than you bring back for one player, you create a trade exception for the difference. That trade exception can then be used to acquire a player via trade, or you can use it to claim a player off waivers. Okay. You can't sign a player with that. trade exception or anything like that so in the celtics case gordon hayward was signed and traded to the charlotte hornets with no salary coming back so his full 28.5 million salary this year creates that an exception of that size for the celtics and you can
0: you can piece by piece it right you don't it doesn't have to you don't have to use it all on one correct acquisition
1: It's it's different than the disabled player exception, which the Magic have a couple of, um, for yeah, Marco we lead the league in and those. Jonathan Isaac. Yeah, it's, it, which is not that's not a category you ever want to lead in. No. Um, but yeah, that's different because with the disabled player exception, it can be used on one player, and that player must be on an expiring contract. Can't have an option year. Can't have anything. So the disabled player exception is very different. You can also use the disabled player exception to sign a player. Think of that one as very much almost what the name says. You have a player who is disabled and out for this specific season. Right. We are going to give you some ability to replace that player for this season. The trade exception is you could do anything. You know, Vooch makes $26 million and then he has three years left on his contract, or this year plus two more years left on his contract. The Celtics could acquire him via that trade exception. He fits into it, and then off we go. There's some other really complicated stuff like the hard cap that Boston has to work around. But just having an an exception of that size makes things easier to fit players because it's not all about matching salary in the trade rules. Now, Magic players who fit there, Vooch, Gordon, Ross, Fournier, all of them. Mm. They, they could all fit in Boston. Um, Boston has needed a big for a little while. Uh, Vooch, you know, clearly could fill that role. They, they feel like we're in year, you know, five of needing another bench shooter. Well, there's Ross. Fournier could be kind of that uh, Hayward light role for the Celtics because he can do a lot of similar things to what Gordon Hayward brought them. And then Gordon um, would allow the Celtics to go with Tatum and Brown at the – the two and the three and then that allows them to really be super switchable uh, two through four these, somebody Celtics fans have liked for a very long time because the thought is hey, put him and his athleticism and defensive ability alongside those guys and you can really start to unlock him so that's though the Boston is you know I can tell you from fan standpoint they look at the Orlando roster and I get bombarded on Twitter daily with you know hey why are we not going out and getting these guys and my answer is kind of because the magic aren't Trading them right now you, know, you say <laughs> you say would you ask that at christmas <laughs> yeah right well yeah i mean they start asking that you know in, uh, right, in you know august of a normal year you know why are there not trades happening and it's like because we just signed these guys they're not even in a training camp yet right. but you know um you know i get it everybody loves trades right i love them too of course so but but that that's you know one team that immediately comes to mind and then as you just kind of look around you know i mean other teams you know that that could make sense you know um I think Ross fits anywhere because of what his role is. Every single team in the league could use him. Fournier, you know, there's a, certainly a handful of teams because he's an expiring contract. You could see teams say, all right, well, we could take the chance here and see what it looks like. So I think the Magic have great opportunity here if that's the direction they want to go. Again, because their guys fit so many places. They're relatively easily moved salary there. You don't have anybody making, you know, 40 plus million where it starts to get really difficult on an in season trade to make it happen. And then again, you know, looks like there's going to be a lot of buyers and you could even have a team like Chicago or New York or Charlotte or Cleveland, who is, right, we haven't done this playoff thing in a little bit. We really want to be involved. And those are the teams where you could get, you know, even maybe an overpay to get somebody to come in and supplement them. um, If they hang in the race long enough.
0: Yeah. I think those, I think some of the younger teams, you know, looking for, for somebody to bring it all together. I think those are kind of interesting destinations. Um, Can you just the trade exception that was created, like is the whole reason you're able to do that to send out that much salary and bring back and just take the exception because you're not, Uh, tax team like like how is it I I think people still think that you have to match salaries no matter what and that changed with the last CBA right like like what's what what are the specifics on that
1: yeah the trade exception why they brought that in and it's been around for gosh probably a decade or more now um why they brought that in was primarily it was when um sign-in trades were such a big thing Mm. in the league and you saw um good players being signed and traded away from the smaller market teams to the bigger, bigger markets. And then because you might've had to salary match in the past, then the smaller markets, what was happening is they were getting stuck with salary. They didn't want so now what, what what we see is the trade exception allows, you know, trade that guy away and then you get this trade exception versus, you know, a $20 million contract for a guy who can't really play and you don't want him. You'd rather have the trade exception because then that allows you to do a lot more. Um, the Magic famously had a very big one when they did the Dwight Howard trade because right. uh, they took back very little salary in that deal when, when they traded Dwight. So, so then that allowed them to use that late are, um, the good thing with the trade exception too is it can be broken up and used um, as we said on multiple players so if you have a big one you can go out and you know boston's again 28.5 you could acquire somebody who makes 13 million and somebody who makes 15 million and off you go um, with that so that is you know a good um, thing to keep in mind there as well because you can break it up you just you just can't add more salary to it you can't you know say well it's 28.5 i'm gonna add you know, a $4 million salary, and I'm going to go get myself, you know, a $30 million player. That doesn't work. Salaries have to fit within the trade exception amount.
0: And you can't combine it with other exceptions, correct?
1: Correct. No, no, because the Celtics have a couple other smaller ones too um, where they could get up to around 35 or so million, and you can't do that. You're not allowed to combine it together. It's got to be used, you know, by itself, but it can be broken up, and they're generally good for one year. Timing this year is a little weird because of just the way – uh this season worked so we'll see but it we, we know november right
0: with the boston one
1: uh it's supposed it should be november um if it's off the normal timing rules they may tweak it but it will be good into next off season at least
0: okay last thing is so but just walk me through the matching of salaries like that is i think people still think it's got to be 85% or whatever it used sure. to be <laughs> but it but it's it it, it changed I think right, like it's yep. it has and it has to do with whether or not you're a tax team.
1: Yeah, there, there's two different levels, and and here's the important thing to keep in mind when we talk this: it's figured after the trade. Right. So if you're under the tax now, but you're going to make a trade that is that takes you over the tax, it's it's worked post trade salary. So if if that trade takes you over the tax, you have to use the the tax team uh, matching. So the tax team matching, pretty simple. It's 125% of the outgoing salary, plus 100K. They give you that 100K is just a little you know, buffer in case you need to, to make you know, something work there. So in that case, I always use nice round numbers because I'm not real smart, so I like to keep the math simple. Um, $10 million going out, you could trade for 12.5 million of outgoing salary, Plus the hundred thousand, so you could bring back a player that makes twelve point six million. Right. If you're a non-tax team, there's tiers to it. So if you're sending out uh, up to six point five million, it's hundred and seventy-five percent of the outgoing salary plus the hundred thousand. So a little bit extra there to kind of almost juice it, if you if you want to put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're sending out six point five million to nineteen point six million it's the outgoing salary plus 5 million um, is how that works. And if this is the total outgoing salary too. So, you know, if you're sending out three guys, it's their total a number that that's going out. Right. And then if it's 19.6 million and above, it's it's the same as the tax where it's 125% plus 100,000. Why they do the tiers um, is you don't, you want to, those bottom two on the non-taxes, you want to make it, easy for teams to move salary. Um, so you wanted them to be able to take back more than they send out. But then when they kind of cap it with the big number, the 19.6 million or that being equal to the tax, those are generally your big market and better teams. So they're trying to put at least a little bit of a cap on, all right, Hey, we can't have you guys, you know, do one of these deals where you're piling up so much salary, all of a sudden your payroll is 200 million. And we've got another team in the league whose payroll is you know 90 million. The, the NBA tries to keep that kind of competitive balance where they can by by putting those tiers together in those trade rules.
0: otherwise, you end up with baseball
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly baseball or, or you know before they had it like this like like if you remember back I don't know how long you've you know, really been following this stuff, but the Lakers and Knicks used to have absurdly large payrolls yep, and I compared to everybody else, and it was such a mess, and no nobody really um you know wants to go back to those days.
0: Keith, this has been great. It's a a primer for all the magic fans who are going to be on the ESPN NBA trade machine, which, which (laughs) you know, is they are feverishly working on. Um, And, and see, that's the thing is that thing, you know, people just go, Oh yeah, let me do it. So that means it works. But you, (laughs) you broke down the mechanisms and why uh, the trade machine works that way. I really appreciate it. He's on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA, read all this stuff. Yahoo, real GM Celtics blog, does a great job covering the Celtics and, and also the league at large. Thanks so much, Keith. I appreciate it, man.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you for having me.
0: All right, absolutely. There he is, Keith Smith. Follow him on Twitter once again, at Keith Smith NBA. Give me a follow as well. It's at Jake Chapman OM. This has been Magic Weekly. We'll be back next week with another edition. Until then, stay safe, everybody.